Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we continue our reflections into the great Christian thinkers. We are in the 16th century. Huh? Last week, we took up St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits, kind of a brief examination of his life and uh, what he contributed to uh, the early 16th century. Certainly, uh, by taking up some other Jesuits, we will continue to get to know more about St. Ignatius of Loyola. And uh, so that's where we're at. We're, we are in part two of a four-part reflection into the Jesuits, and part two has us considering the life of St. Francis Xavier, huh? the life of St. Francis Xavier. And I will be flying solo this evening. John O'Hara, my sidekick, is not with me. So if you have any questions, comments, observations, please do not hesitate to email me. As I like to say, I love to get your emails. I love to have those online conversations with you. While it's not that physical conversation, while it's not that conversation where, where we are in physical presence with one another, um, it is still proven to be very fruitful. And so please do not hesitate to send me um, just not your questions, comments, and observations about tonight's subject matter, but any question you might have about the Christian and Catholic faith. I really do welcome those, so please send me your emails at j-h-o-l-l-j-m-j at yahoo.com, or you can go to my website at joholcraft.org. Just hit the contact link button there and send your question on its way. Okay, so St. Francis Xavier. Now, for some of us, we might uh, be somewhat familiar with him because of Pope Francis. Now, when Cardinal Bergoglio, who is a Jesuit, was elected as Pope and took the name Pope Francis, many people thought, well, this must be St. Francis Xavier, not only because he was a Jesuit, but because he is the patron saint of all missionary activity in the church. So it makes perfect sense, right? Here you have a man who is not only elected, but elected at a time where it was all about the new evangelization, right? He was going to be the Pope who was going to pin the document on the new evangelization, on that missionary spirit, on that missionary zeal. So certainly he would take the name uh, after St. Francis Xavier. Well, that was not the case. <laughs> it was the other Francis, as now many of us know, right? St. Francis of Assisi, which in of itself... I believe, my dear friends, really does go to the heart of not only what the new evangelization is about, but also why this man was elected, Pope Francis. Because you see, my friends, before we understand how to better communicate the message about the person of Jesus Christ, we must be in a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And we must enter into that poverty of spirit we must enter into that great charism of St. Francis of Assisi. Not that St. Francis Xavier did not live a life of poverty, because really that is one of the golden threads in the life of any and every saint. But there was a uniqueness to which it came out of the life of St. Francis of Assisi. So, Pope Francis 
elected not after St. Francis Xavier, but after St. Francis of Assisi, has a very clear message for all of us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, because that, my friends, is the disposition we need if we are going to be agents for the new evangelization. Again, I could never say it enough. There is a reason why our Lord in Matthew chapter 5 kicks off his Sermon on the Mount, not with blessed are those who serve the poor, blessed are those who give alms, blessed are those who fast. Oh, those are good things, and he talks about that later. But no, first, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You see, blessed are those who long for God the same way our lungs long for air. That is what that first beatitude is about. That is what St. Francis of Assisi was about. And certainly, this is what Pope Francis wants us to understand. Because if we get that right, then we will become better agents for the new evangelization. So, uh, interesting. I know I received a lot of questions when he was first elected about St. Francis Xavier, because so many people thought that this was who he was named after. Well, we are going to talk about this man here in a bit, and it's to know, certainly, there is a reason why he is the patron saint of all missionary activity in the church, but it is to also remember there's a reason why Cardinal Bergoglio took the name Pope Francis after St. Francis of Assisi. Okay, with that, what about St. Francis Xavier? A few bio pieces here. He was born in 1506 in the family castle of Xavier, right? Um, this was near Pamplona in the Basque area. So like the man he would follow, the man we talked about last week, St. Ignatius of Loyola, his ancestral background is Basque. At the age of 19, he would go to study at the University of Paris in 1525. And as I noted last week, the University of Paris, by the way, was the first university founded, period. That's always an interesting tidbit. And it was there at the University of Paris where three years later in 1528, he would secure his licentiate. And it was there in the halls and churches of the University of Paris that he would meet St. Ignatius of Loyola and, of course, become one of the seven who were the original members to the Society of Jesus, otherwise known as the Jesuits. Now, as we're kicking off our reflection with St. Francis of Xavier, there's something here that should not be overlooked. You know, we look back into history, and from time to time we ask ourselves, what would it have been like to be around Christ and the Twelve Apostles? Have you ever done that? You know, what would it have been like to be around them? What would it have been like to experience what they experienced? Or maybe... We think about what it would have been like to be around, you know, the Apostles' first echo in St. Polycarp of Smyrna and St. Ignatius of Antioch. Maybe we wonder what it would have been like to be around the great twins of St. Benedict and St. Scholastica, or even to be in the company of the aforementioned St. Francis of Assisi and, of course, his close friend, St. Clare of Assisi. Now, we know these saints as having unique relationships. But I am even more intrigued into what some of these encounters would have looked like when they first met. Huh? I mean, St. Francis of Assisi could have never imagined that history would know them, that is, St. Francis and St. Clair as we know them today, nor 
could have St. Ignatius imagined history looking back in those first days of his meeting with St. Francis Xavier as we do today. In the world of encounters, many great stories are told even today of simple unsuspected gatherings having significant impact. I was just reading an article about a great number of men who maybe many of you know out there, they're on EWTN, how they used to gather at Franciscan University of Steubenville in the early 90s, gather to uh, be inspired, gather to live out their vocation more faithfully. And what came of it? Well, names such as Curtis Martin, Edward Sree, Curtis Minch, of course, Scott Hahn and others who are doing so many great things credit their time together as being instrumental in what they're doing today. There have been many gatherings like that through the years. And why do I bring all of this up? Well, as I think about St. Francis Xavier meeting St. Ignatius of Loyola for the first time, maybe St. Ignatius calling young St. Francis over saying, hey, would you like to have supper with me tonight? Would you like to pray together? I have something that has been impressed upon my heart by the Holy Spirit, and I want to share it with you, and I want to share it with some brothers. Would you join me? And St. Francis in response saying, of course I would. And from that first encounter, we have the Jesuit community. Huh? Have we experienced something similar? I mean, that's my point. Have we experienced someone coming up to us, or maybe you reached out to others? Hey, God wants to do something special here. Can we get together? Can we pray? Can we talk about what God wants to do here at this parish? Can we pray about what God wants to do here in this diocese? Maybe it's something else. Can we pray about an institute that God wants to start to, to bring renewal? Whatever it might be. My friends, we so often say, I wonder what it would have been like to be with this person or that person. I wonder what it would have been like to be a fly on the wall. My dear friends, let it be said that 100, 200 years from now, people are saying about our local communities, I wonder what it would have been like to be around Jane, John, Jack, Donna, whoever you are out there. Brothers and sisters in Christ, understand something. God wants to do something special in our life now. And if he isn't already doing something special in your life, open your heart. And if he is already doing something special in your life, continue to be faithful to the task. Continue to enter into the gift of sonship that you might come to better understand the task. Okay? God wants to raise up holy men holy women, and in doing so, bring about renewal in the church. Bring about a new sanctity and holiness that attracts other people. We have a part to play in this great Christian and Catholic narrative, and we have to start asking the question, what is my role? Again, if we haven't already asked that question, if we already are not doing what God wants us to do, yes, we might be a lector at our local parish, or maybe an extraordinary minister. Maybe we have a role in music in our choir. But understand something, my friends. Those are ministries, and they are noble ministries. But something that is often not talked about is the apostolate. 
While we are all called to some aspect of ministry in the church, God calls us to go out, right? And to bring people to the church. We call that the apostolate. What is your apostolate? What are you doing to bring people closer to the person of Jesus Christ by way of the apostolate? This is where you're going to see a new springtime in the church. Person by person, soul by soul, friend by friend, let us draw people closer to the heart of Jesus Christ. Okay, that being said, let us get back to St. Francis Xavier and this fascinating life. It was in 1536, an all-important year, when he left for Paris to join Ignatius in Venice, from which all of the members, and there were seven of them again, tended to go to Palestine as missionaries, right, to evangelize the Muslim people. That was a trip that in the end never materialized. A year after that, St. Francis was ordained, and in 1540, when the Pope formally recognized the Jesuit community, he was ordered, along with one Father Simon Rodriguez, to go to the Far East as the first Jesuit missionaries. But after King John III kept Father Simon in Lisbon, France, after a year's voyage, six months of which, by the way, were spent in Mozambique, he arrived in Goa, India. And in many ways, when we think about St. Francis Xavier, we think about his two trips to India and Japan. Well, it was in 1542 that he finally arrived in Goa. Now, he is at this point around 36. Now, 36, and he is a man with a deep conviction to serve God. So, he arrives there with um, one Father Paul of Camerino, an Italian, and a fellow Portuguese missionary. And it was there where he began uh, preaching to the natives. It was there where he began to reform his fellow Europeans, living among the natives and really adopting their customs on his travels. What's going on here? Why would he live among the natives and adopt their customs? Well, my friends, simply, he was loving them where they're at. His intention in serving the person of Jesus Christ was certainly to preach the good news and his saving message, but also at the same time to love. And by loving the natives and by loving those who he came in contact with would open their heart to him and better receive that message that was burning on his heart to share. There's a great lesson here for us today. 2015. We must love people where they are at and not love with an agenda, not love with this idea that I'm going to win you over for the person of Jesus Christ and just be on my way. No. Love for the sake of love. Love for the sake of entering into an authentic friendship. And love itself will bring about the goodness of Jesus Christ. And if you are burning with a conviction to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, what transformation will take place, my friends. So we enter into relationship with those who we come into contact with. And as their hearts are open to your goodness, you share the good news, the goodness that belongs to the saving message of Jesus Christ. 
so all very important. Now, during the next decade, he would convert thousands to Christianity because of this great love. And it was in 1546 that he would set sail for uh, Moratai near Philippines, uh, where he would convert more natives to the person of Jesus Christ. And it was ultimately in 1549 where he would arrive in Japan. Now, before I go further, another kind of footnote to this discussion. I mean, think about this for a second, my friends. Here you have a man traveling from one country to another, from one island to another. There was a great deal of hardship in these travels. I mean, how many times have we complained about something when we are at the service of Jesus Christ? I would propose to you something. If you think you are at the service of Jesus Christ and you are constantly complaining about it, maybe, just maybe, you ought to rethink what you are doing and ask yourself the question, am I at the service of Jesus Christ and and am I doing the will of God? Because if you're doing the will of God, you're not going to do it grumbling, but you're going to do it with a smile on your face because you're so joyful. Because when you're doing the will of God, there is a certain joy that is effusive, a joy that is life-giving. People don't want to be around grumblers. People don't want to be around whiners. People don't want to be around complainers. No, people want to be around those who are joy-filled. People want to be around those who have a sense of energy and enthusiasm about them, especially the person of Jesus Christ. Here you have a man in St. Francis Xavier who in his travels dealt with overwhelming sickness. Who does this sound like? But St. Paul, right? In fact, many have suggested that uh, St. Francis Xavier was the St. Paul of the 16th century because of his many travels and his great missionary preaching. So my message is this, and I tell you, I look in the mirror on this as well. If you are complaining about what you are doing because of all of the hardship, humbly ask God, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Go deeper. And maybe you are doing the will of God and you're just not in good space. You're just complaining. Huh? Maybe God is telling you, you just need to slow down. You need to redirect your attention, maybe a little bit over there or a little bit over here. But he's telling you, you know what? You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You, you need to understand you need to do it in prayer, right? So important to think about because St. Francis Xavier, he was too focused on the person of Jesus Christ to be complaining about a sickness. In point of fact, a number of his peers often talked about his great zeal, his great joy. Okay, so Japan, here he is converting thousands more to Christianity. It's interesting, my friends, a lot of people think that St. Francis Xavier, because he went so many different places, must have known so many different languages, but that is not the case. In point of fact, he struggled with secondary languages, and this was part of his own suffering that he gave to God, but in his faithfulness, he was able to overcome that and still preach the good news. Sometimes it's simplifying the message that really gets to the heart, huh? Sometimes we overdo the message with a lot of fancy language. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in our preaching and in our catechizing, we need to get to the heart of it and allow the Spirit of God to speak through us that indeed 
the person we are speaking to might be evangelized in the spirit of Christ. Okay, now something to remember historically. In the life of not only St. Francis, but in the community as a whole, in this time, and that's roughly 1551, the Jesuit order was exploding. Uh, India and the East were set up as separate provinces, and at this time, Ignatius made Francis the Jesuits' first provincial. Um, now, what's interesting to know here is this did not slow down his missionary spirit. In fact, in 1552, after evangelizing uh, areas of Japan, parts of Japan, he set out for China. And it was in this journey, when he landed on the island of Sanction, within sight of his goal, he would die. He was uh, incapacitated, essentially, because of his illness. He just did not receive the care he needed, and he died on the island of Sanction on December 3rd, 1552, at the age of 46. And eventually, his body was taken to Goa, India, where you could uh, reverence it today. If you're to go to Goa, India, there is a shrine, of course, devoted to him where you can pray before him, call upon his intercession, of course, and uh, draw from not only his wisdom, but certainly his example. As a whole, my friends, the lesson to be learned from St. Francis Xavier is that he worked against many difficulties, you know, language problems, inadequate funds. We, we, we forget about these practical things. As a whole, a lack of cooperation. Um, in fact, he was often resisted from European officials. But because of his zeal, because of his enthusiasm for Jesus Christ, he left the mark of his missionary energy on areas which clung to Christianity for centuries. And it was for this reason that in 1622, he was canonized and proclaimed patron of all foreign missions by Pope Pius X. And his feast day is December 3rd. Right, uh, He died on December 3rd, and often that is the feast day. So December 3rd, we celebrate the feast day of this, this great man who challenges us to be more zealous about the person of Jesus Christ, who challenges us to renew our ardor, our fervor, our fire for God, that it might lead us to evangelizing souls for Christ with the deeper understanding that good evangelization always leads with love. That is 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us, good evangelization always leads with gentleness and reverence. Brothers and sisters, as we wrap up our reflection this evening on St. Francis Xavier, let us call upon the Holy Spirit to really enkindle within us a sense of renewal, a sense of missionary spirit, a sense of belonging more to God that we might do more for God. Let this be our prayer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.